This is episode number 85 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Nick Esposito, who is currently the strength coach at Champion PT in Performance in Massachusetts. In this episode, Nick goes over what he does with his players in terms of how he prepares them for their season. Uh, We go over in-season training, um, how he screens their players, best ways to decrease uh, your running time, talk about some 60s as well. Um, Really good episode overall. Really enjoyed Nick and really appreciate him coming on the show. This episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is a bat sensor. Bat sensor that's currently number one on the market. Um, something that's been able to, that you can track time to contact, how long you're on plane with the pitch for. We see how valuable you know you staying in the hitting zone is um, and throughout the playoffs and just seeing replays and things like that. So it's such a valuable tool. Head on over to BlastMotion.com and type in code PJB25 for $25 off. That is PJB25 for $25 off. And here is Nick Esposito. All right, and we are now live with Nick Esposito, who is the strength coach at Champion PT and Performance in Massachusetts. Uh, Nick, really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So can you give a little bit of your background, um, I guess, in your industry as a strength and conditioning coach for um, for those listening? Yeah, so I've been, I've been being, uh, or I've been a strength coach for going on like nine or 10 years, started off in just like kind of global gyms after I got out of college and playing baseball. And then uh, just kind of started focusing more into the baseball world just because I really enjoy working with kids in that world, really enjoy helping kids develop. And, you know, my end of it too is I was always hurt and I want to make sure, you know, kids aren't having the same injuries that I had and, and potentially keeping that risk a little bit lower on their end. So that's kind of the main goal I have when I, you know, work with kids and work with anyone on the fitness side. So when you say you train baseball players, is it mainly pitchers or position players or both? Uh, we have a full combination. So I've worked with all all athletes, you know, in baseball. I've worked with pitchers. I've worked with um, hitters. You know, we have in-house teams I've worked with, uh, all different ages, really. And, you know, the way I look at it is development's development, movement's movement. And as we start getting into um, older ages, that's, at, you know, where we can start focusing on specific uh, patterns and specific movements that are helpful to, you know, whether they are a pitcher or whether they are a hitter or, you know, something along those lines. What's the, uh, youngest age that you train? Uh, the youngest age I've trained has been nine. Um, and even at that point we were just making it fun. We were making him still be an athlete, which I think that's one of the hardest things for, for kids is, is you can almost train them out of being in an athletic position, which, you know, kids are going to be reactive. They're going to be, you know, doing things without realizing it. And it's making sure we're not overthinking it or making sure we're taking them out of their athleticism. So we just try to give them an environment to allow them to be a creative, still working on, you know, their foundational patterns like push, uh, push, pull, hinge, squat, carry, and, you know, as they get older, as they get stronger, you can start layering, you know, some uh, better skills on top of that. Yeah, the, the reason I was just kind of curious of, you know, training younger players, because from what I've read, you know, and just in the books and um, the research, just a small amount that I've done so far, it just says that developing flexibility in that 6 to 11 age range is like really, really crucial for um, down the road after they are in puberty and everything like that. Have you heard the same thing? 
Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard that too. It's, I think with kids, it's just, they're becoming less and less active. And I think that's something that hopefully, um, is, is changing as we get into a different realm of, uh, you know, different stages of youth athletes. I think there's a point where kids just, they were playing games. They weren't really focusing on development. And when they were doing, um, say like a dynamic warmup, for example, they'll kind of go through the motions, maybe not focus on it and just kind of not really work on their patterns as efficiently as they should. And, and kids are definitely capable of, of doing those things. I mean, as long as you're communicating that as a coach and, and setting uh, expectations and parameters, kids will respect you for that. What do you think about um, kids developing like speed? When I know the speed's such a big thing. Um, had uh, Jerry DeFlippo on um, like last week or the week before, and he kind of talked. He talked about, in his opinion, you don't necessarily need to to run a ton to decrease your sixty yard dash time. Um, what do you think about just speed in general and and the best ways to get faster? Yeah, I agree with that too. I think you know kids are as it comes down to their, their running form and are they in an optimized position? I think a lot of it comes down to like, say when you're throwing, if you don't have good mechanics, you're probably not going to be, you know, a good thrower. It's the same thing with running. If you don't have good running mechanics, you might not be the best runner or might not be the fastest runner. And that's something that you can work on, whether it's like wall drills or, or skipping patterns or, you know, doing some marching to get your, uh, knee and hip positions in a better spot. Um, so with kids, I think that's kind of something that we focus on, uh, especially early on is we just try to get them into a good position that then they can repeat when they get older and when they get into actual uh, running drills or any quick speed agility drills. Um, that's something that we're always fo- like keying in on with kids is having a reason for everything that we're doing. Why is there so much like why is there I mean, I feel like it's it's so interesting because the human body is made a certain way, right? But why are there so many different theories on how to train the body? You have different strength coaches, you know, believe different things. And, and I'm just, it's, it's kind of interesting to me as an outsider, who's someone who's just starting to get, you know, into it, why there's so many different um, opinions on, on the best way to train. Yeah, I think it just comes down to personal experience. I mean, it, that's the thing is like, I've talked with tons of strength coaches, baseball coaches, you know, if, if you've had success training an athlete in one realm or another and, and those kids had a positive experience and, and they developed and they got better, then you're going to kind of look at that and say, OK, this definitely worked for, for them. This works for us. And then each coach has that experience. So I think it's just becoming more um, having like collaboration and creating those ideas to then say, OK, this was positive on our end. What was positive on your end? Let's see if we can combine our ideas and, and let's make this even better. And I think that's definitely heading in the right direction as, as coaches and, and especially as sport coaches too. having interaction. I mean, we have an in-house baseball team here at champion and, you know, we work with their coaches daily. We bounce ideas off each other daily where we're just trying to make the best, um, development exercises for, for all the kids. If it's something that's going to impact them positively, that's, that's what we're shooting for. What makes a, workout program like designed for a baseball player uh depends on the age i think i think you know with with baseball guys the older you get the more you're gonna specify for for their workout programs you know i think a lot of it comes down to arm care i think that's something that is often forgotten when it comes to like a strength program is just focusing on certain aspects of arm care actually just doing the arm care that was something me as a player when i was going through all my injuries i just never did it and and i feel like that could have 
impacted me to not be injured. Like I had Tommy John when I was 17. I think that could have definitely impacted me to not be hurt when I was that young. So I think get getting kids into a program that's just, you know, all encompassing and, and covering all aspects of just being an athlete at a younger age. And then as they develop, whether they choose baseball as their sport or whether they, they start going towards a different sport, they're going to be prepared uh, from an injury reduction standpoint. And then they're also going to be prepared as just being a better athlete, which then translates into um, their other sports. Wow, 17 years old. Were you just throwing like crazy growing up? Yeah, I, w- I was like basically what you shouldn't do as a baseball player. I played on... Uh, the summer when I was 16, I think I played my high school team, Legion Baseball, AAU Baseball, uh, and then I did Fall Ball, which by the end of Fall Ball, you know, that just, my elbow just couldn't do anymore, and, you know, my velocity was dropping, I had sharp pain, and then finally just, you know, one pitch in like 30 degree weather, that was it, and, you know, needed Tommy John in the spring. Oh. Did you ever, were you able, ever able to come back and like come back to your prior form? Yep. Yeah. That was, um, I was pretty fortunate. I mean, I I had some good physical therapists along the way and and they definitely showed me the things that I should have been doing prior, which could have impacted, you know, that injury from even occurring in the first place. And just taking the time to slow myself down, rethink and like kind of look at that from an outsider's perspective of like, why was I hurt? Why, what was the process going on? Like, Yes, there was a lot of throwing involved. There was a lot of pitches. I mean, there was no pitch counts when I was in high school at that point. I mean, I was going like 120, 140 deep, not counting like warm-ups or anything like that. And it just turned into, you know, like I, I wanted to compete. Like if a coach asked me, did you want to pitch today? I wasn't going to tell him no. I wanted to compete. And so, you know, after a while, you, you just start getting a little bit of pain on your arm and you don't say anything. And that was my mistake of not, you know, making that known to my coaches that like, hey, this is this is bugging me. But you know, I just wanted to play through it. Yeah, it, it, that, that is something that's so so unique to me. Um, one of my buddies, Brent Suter, for the Brewers, had Tommy John, is now out for the season. And um, he's one of the slowest throwers in Major League Baseball because you always hear with the harder you throw, the the more likely of a chance, you know, that you're going to get Tommy John or get hurt. But he's one of the slowest throwers in the entire league, and he got one. So it's just – I don't know if it's, I mean, if it's more, if it's genetics based a little bit, if it, you know, what exactly it is, but it's just crazy. It really is. I mean, I know I, Dr. Kremchak here in Cincinnati has, has performed, you know, in high school kids, he's performed shoulder surgeries on, on kids, you know, 12 and under even, which is just yeah. absurd. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's like, I look like, you know, I talk to parents and I talk to other coaches and other players and they're just like, wow, you, you only had it at 17, not like 14 or 15. Like I thought like 17 was pretty early, but now it's becoming like even like earlier than that. I mean, I've, I've seen 12 year olds with, with Tommy John. I'm like, you know, something's going on. Something needs to change. And, you know, like I ended up having shoulder surgery too. So I went into college. Um, yeah, I was a wreck. And that, that's essentially why I became a strength coach because like all of my injuries I feel could have been avoided if I just had a little better knowledge base or if I had someone telling me, Hey, like that's not, that's not as optimal or, or do your arm care, like holding me accountable for that stuff. And, um, you know, like I guess the transition from my elbow surgery to my shoulder surgery was, you know, I kind of understood like my shoulder recovery was so much better than my elbow recovery just because I knew how to prepare myself previous or prior to going into my shoulder surgery and especially after my shoulder surgery. And, and I had some good therapists along the way. Travis Manners out in Omaha, Nebraska, when I was living out there, was a, a great influence for like working on my throwing mechanics. So I stopped constantly hurting myself. 
Um, and then also making sure I was strengthening what I needed to strengthen where I was weak at and kind of making me do the stuff I, you know, I wasn't good at, which, you know, kids always, they're good at what they're good at and they don't really want to work on what they're you know bad at, which, because they don't want to have that mindset of like, wow, I looked weak in the gym and everyone saw me be weak. It's, you know, becoming something that, you know, you can impact that positively every day. What do you mean when you said you knew how to prepare yourself better bef- um, before your shoulder surgery? Yeah, like when I had my elbow surgery, I um, I honestly used it as a crutch. I babied that thing so hard. Like I refused to like reach for stuff with my F- left arm. I like even just like grabbing things out of like the cupboard. I just didn't do it. And to the point where like my elbow was like locking up, like it, it wasn't reaching full range of motion. It was impacting my rehab, um, you know, which then delayed my my recovery process. There's, you know, everyone's got a different Tommy John recovery. Mine took significantly longer than most. Mine was around an 18 to 24 month recovery purely because I just didn't focus on what I, I should have focused on. And I didn't take my strength training seriously. I didn't take my recovery seriously. And, you know, I got to college and, you know, when there was a kid, um, you know, I was fortunate to, to essentially rehab along with, and I didn't use his example as a, something I should have done myself, which he was a senior. Uh, I was an incoming, I, I redshirt freshman that year. You know, he, absolutely went after his rehab and you know i was almost like afraid of being like okay like if i do what he's doing i'm not going to be good for the next four years because he's going very quickly and i just didn't take that mindset and then when i had my shoulder surgery i kept that in the back of my head and i was like you know this this recovery was you know four months this it was a slap tear so i had a labral issue going on my left arm Um, my recovery, I was back to throwing off a mound after six months back to full strength where, you know, for some, it depends. It could be five, it could be nine months, but I kind of fell right on the earlier stage of that just because I felt I prepared myself prior to that surgery. So I did all my arm care, took my lifting seriously. And so when everything was strong prior going into surgery, my recovery was a little bit better. Um, I feel through that process when I got into my rehab and then into my, um, post rehab stages. So after all that happened, um, when you went to college, I guess, after your, your um, surgery, did you know right away that you want to be in, in strength conditioning and then you majored in um, something, you know, just studying the body and like, learning about anatomy? And is that when all that happened? Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's, you know, it wasn't I went in with sports management. Uh, that's kind of what I was geared up for. And then I, I was actually always hurt in college. So I had my elbow and then I herniated a disc in my, in my uh, L5S1 in college that's when I kind of shifted being like, why, why am I really always hurt here? Why did my back just explode? You know what I mean? Like, why am I in constant pain? And then I decided to switch towards exercise science and find out those reasons. And, you know, I, I stopped kind of following blindly, uh, programs. I just started asking a few more questions. I wanted to know why we were doing the things we were doing. I want to know how this will impact me and was my body prepared to do those motions. And, you know, when I hurt my back, that, my body was not prepared at all. And that's why it gave out. And, you know, that's when I shifted over to it because my, my injuries, I feel were, were avoidable to a certain extent, you know, overuse is overuse, but you know, if you have bad form and, and you're going to try to throw up as much weight as you can, you know, it, it's not going to end well. And I found out the hard way on that. When, um, when players come into your facility, what is the first thing that you have them go through? 
Uh, so we do a, a movement screen. Um, it's something that the physical therapists here at Champion, Mike Reinold, Dave Tilly, uh, Dan Pope, Lenny Macrina, and Mike Scaduto, they um, they all kind of developed a, a movement screen for, for us as strength coaches to collaborate on to find out like when an athlete walks in, where are they currently in their movement patterns and, and what can we do to either work on their movement patterns or are they prepared to train? And, and that's something that you know, it, it's not so much that we're looking for like red flags majorly or anything like that. Like, cause we're as strength coaches, we're not physical therapists. I'm not taking them into end range external rotation or anything like that. I just want to know, can they get to a, a normal area? Can they work within that range? And, and you know, what small things can we work on in their warm up? What small things can we do to impact them to get them out of whatever position they might be in? Or what can we do to keep them in that position so they don't you know, work themselves out of being athletic. So is it similar to like some of the other screening, like a TPI screen? Uh, to an extent. Yeah. I'm personally, I'm not overly familiar with the TPI screen. I, I've done like FMS screens. I've done a few other screens in, in my time. Um, you know, like I, I look at it as movement patterns, movement pattern, like, you know, with FMS, I, I like the, the FMS because you know, it, it's a across the board. Like I can send information about an FMS to another strength coach that uses FMS. Like it's a similar language, but at the same time, you know, FMS became like you can score it and you can and you can see why it's not a, a like a perfect score. And um, you know, now what what do we do from that point? I think that's where you know, for me, it was, I wanted to know what can we do after that point? And I know there's extra education and there's things like that, which, you know, then that goes in hand in hand with how you develop, um, you know, workout programs and, and recovery programs from there. Do you think there'll ever be a point where, well, I think actually like the modus, um, I know that they had the, the modus sleeve was out, but I've also heard that there's like these, the, the modus like sort of sensors where you can put on like over your like over like different body parts. I think maybe I'm just making stuff up here, but, and they can like, I track and see like what deficiencies do you have? Like, um, in your body and things. Have you heard of that? Or am I just talking out of my ass? No, I, I've definitely seen that. I, I've, I've used, uh, used modus for, for arm motion. And it, I think that type of equipment is great when you have a baseline. Um, especially when you're working with kids that are coming in off their season or they are in season. If, you know, you have that baseline number and all of a sudden their numbers are, are way off their baseline. You can start looking into it more and say, why, why are their numbers way off? Like what's, what's going on and, and what do we need to do to get them closer to that baseline? Because the further they get away, the more, you know, the more risk you start running into, especially from, from throwers with the amount of injuries that we have going on with that. And, you know, we use, um, we have a thing called G flight. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's, uh, uh, essentially test how high you can jump in a very easy way and it's just very quick to go and you know we'll get baseline numbers on kids for for their daily readiness we'll we'll see if they're close to their power output and you know for example we had a kid come back from a baseball tournament and his his power numbers were were significantly lower than what our baseline said so we knew for those first few days he was back i mean he threw a complete game on a sunday and hopped on a plane for six hours so it's kind of you know that com combined with like sleep pattern and you know, maybe nutrition wasn't the best, which kind of let us know, like, hey, we, we, we need to ease off a little bit for the first few days. Let him get recovered. Let his body recover before we try to ask him to do some some dynamic things. Speaking of, of vertical jump, um, 
I was reading the other day that actually one of the guys who started TPI, uh, Dr. Greg Rose, he actually predicted the um, the guy who was going to win the um, world's longest drive for the the year. I forget what year it was, just based off three tests: the vertical jump, um, sit up and throw with a medicine ball, and um, as you're sitting down, chest pass. Um, those three different. Uh, movements right there yeah seated chest throw with an eight pound ball sit up and throw um for your core and then broad jump or uh, vertical jump um for the lower body power um have you experimented with like any different sort of power testing to see like how that translates into how hard someone can throw or how far somebody can hit a ball um i mean i've definitely seen the studies i've seen the tests, and, and there is some you know there's definitely a lot out there showing that there are like the harder you can or the higher you can jump, you're definitely producing more power. Um, I think too, when it comes down to a skill set, it, it's, are they maximizing their power that they can produce into, you know, a, a kinetic movement? Are they having the ability to connect their body from lower half to upper half to create that whip for like a long drive, for example, or, or a baseball throw? Um, we've, we've done some, uh, velocity based training over the summer with some of our college guys that were, heading back to school. We had a lot of good results from that using, um, uh, there's like gym aware. There's a few other, I think there's like push, uh, push sensors you can put on the bar. We use a thing called open barbell, which lets us know, um, you know, the speed of the bar and it gives us a training realm for them to stay in when they are doing their, uh, like deadlifts or, or anything for speed on that. So we, we've definitely done that. Um, very early stages for us to, to say like, definitive like testing results we're, we're still in the early stages of all that to say like this translates right into it specifically but we had very positive results with that do you guys uh track like what everyone is doing like um on like microsoft excel or something uh we we definitely track we have our our workout sheets allow us to um you know the athletes are tracking their weights on there where you know for the more advanced guys that have the ability to have uh, specific tracking numbers like that in their program, we're definitely working that, you know, onto Excel sheets and or Google sheets or, or whichever one you guys use. Um, you know, it definitely, it, it's a positive thing. It's definitely needed because if you're not tracking, you don't know if you're having results. And if you're not sure, then, you know, then you got to look back and say, you know, why, why did we do that then if you're not tracking it, if you don't know if it had a positive or a negative impact, because, you know, just as much of a negative or a positive impact, you definitely want a negative. Uh, know if there was negative, so you don't continue to do that, and you can modify programs and you can modify anything from like a rep scheme, tempo, or speed wise. So, one of the things I, I I wanted to ask you about was in season training. A lot of people think you know that's the time to maintain you know what you built in the off season, um, and just kind of you know just just you know nothing too crazy, just making sure you're not getting hurt during the season. What do you think about in-season training? I think in-season training, I, I don't, it's like so many kids just don't do it. And I don't know why they don't. They, they always say they don't have time. But, you know, twice a week, maybe three times a week, whether you're doing, uh, making sure your movement patterns are still staying strong and making sure your strength. Because when you are playing your season, and some of these kids, like baseball, for example, you've got, um, you've got your school team, you've got your, your town team, and then you also have your, your private team. You're, you've got you know, potentially 10 to 12 practices a week, plus, you know, six to seven games a week. Plus, if you're doing private lessons, it's like you are going like you are having breakdown. There is some type of breakdown going on. 
And if you're not strength training to keep, you know, your muscle strong, then, you know, you're going to have more of a risk of, of injury down the road or, or sooner than later, which, you know, it's all about staying strong and making sure that you can keep your performance um, at a high level on the field. Yeah, I, I definitely would 100% agree with that. Um, what resources would you recommend to people out there who are interested in, in learning more about the body and just some strength and conditioning stuff and um, just, you know, just someone who's just kind of curious and, and wants to get a start on on um, becoming an expert one day? Yeah, I th- you know, a good place to start, honestly, is uh, social media. There's so many coaches out there that pr- put out so many, so much information, so much free content that's very um, knowledge-based and very research-based. Like uh, Champion here, Mike Reinold here, uh, Eric Cressy's another guy. I follow Kiefer Lammy's another guy. I follow um, Brett Bartholomew is another guy that I I've studied and learned a lot of coaching techniques from Brett Bartholomew. Um, I would just say try to reach out and see how much information you can find and how much you can learn on a daily basis. I mean, you know, an Instagram post is, is what, 60 seconds the most, and you can get a quick, you know, education just from, you know, if you have a free minute to kill, a couple of free minutes to kill, you can definitely find something out there that you can uh, get knowledge from, which is be all end all goal is just to keep furthering your education. Absolutely. Well, Nick, really appreciate you. Uh, you come by, um, today again, really appreciate it. Um, been awesome. And, um, again, man, any last words or any advice for any, um, any listeners out there who are up and coming players? Yeah. If you're up and coming and, you know, get into a strength training program, um, as soon as you can, I mean, just get, even if you're around 12, 13, getting your movement patterns down, getting your foundation built and getting your base level is going to impact you as you get into high school, which then if your goal is to play college and beyond, you're going to be in a better position to um, prepare yourself and be in a better position to, you know, get into college and not be behind anybody. So that's something I would definitely recommend on that. Awesome. Again, Nick, really appreciate you coming on today. Awesome. Thanks for having me on.